everybody. My name is Tom. Hi, Tom. And everyone, I'm Andrea. And you are listening to The Other Castle. The Other Castle. Welcome back. Welcome to our castle. It's better than the other one. Yes. But we are at the other one. We are at the other one. Depends on which yard you're in. Right. Don't trespass. Okay. (laughs) Um, Speaking of trespassing and weird shit. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious, indeed. This week's episode. Gee golly lollipop. Just might give you. The heebie-jeebies? Very much the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. This week's episode is Little Nightmares. Creepy ass little nightmares. Strange little platforming puzzle game. Yes. Um, and it's wild. Goodness. I mean, yeah, I, I, there's so much to talk about with this game because the story is bizarre. Mm-hmm. The gameplay is beautiful, but really tricky. And the, and the story really plays out over multiple episodes after a while because, like, you get the first main story and then you get some prequel stuff going on with some of the DLC that comes in later. And it's not even really prequel. Yeah, it's like... Concurrent. Concurrent, but... Parallel DLC? Parallels, but some of it seems to take place a little... Like, yeah. It starts a different place, but it ends mid-full game. So there's a lot going on. There's so much to talk about. And, uh, you know, I had one theory, like, as I'm watching the gameplay footage... And then as it developed, my theories kept changing. Yeah. And then by the end, I'm like, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> and then I had to I go back nap. and like reevaluate everything. And then I have a completely <laughs> different idea now as to what I did at the end of the game. I feel like that's how you are with politics. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've changed my mind on a few things a few there times. There you go. Um, that's true. So Little Nightmares is a game that was released on April 28th, 2017. So this is probably the newest game we've done. Oh, Far Cry was Far Cry newer, 5, but yeah. second newest game we've done. And it was released on May 18th, 2018 for Switch. So it just came out on Switch. Oh, okay. Well, Very welcome cool to stuff. the game, Switch. Welcome. So PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch. Anything you got, you can play this game All on. the platforms. Um, in Ballpark, the game only takes about four to five hours to complete. If you do a full completionist, it's about five and a half, maybe six. But a good solid speed run, you can do it in an hour. Yes, there is a trophy for beating the game in under an hour with no deaths called Hard to the Core. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's and, pretty rad. And like, because that's how we absorbed the game was taking it through a, a one hour speed run. And watching people play it not on a speed run and just trying to figure it out yeah. looks like it's the... I, I didn't, we didn't play this game personally, but... No. I've done a demo of it. Oh, you did play the demo of it? Yeah, okay. I've done a demo of it. All right, cool. But it just looks frustrating, like, the amount of times you would have to die. Because yeah. in a lot of ways, like, I was thinking very similar to uh, Dragon's Lair, okay. where... It just would have taken so many damn tries to if you don't figure know. <laughs> out what you're doing. Yeah, it's a lot of puzzles. Um, I, I remember doing a demo of it at work. I had a fun job. Uh, yeah, I was uh, say, <laughs> at work. I, I, As a part of a research thing for work. So right. I played a little bit of it, and it is tricky, and it is very creepy once you start to get into it, and you're staring at your character, and you're staring at the background and the foreground, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stuff going on. But um, I played a little bit of that close last year, closer to kind of when it came out, and I fell down the rabbit hole going, but what is this about? What is this shit? There's a gnome thing and a, a raincoat and there's creepy mins. And there's very, um, there's these crazy chefs. Yeah. And there's a geisha. There's a whole bunch of crazy shit, but uh, 
my journey with the game is that I played a little bit of it and I just fell down a rabbit hole of lore. Okay. And then I started watching tons of YouTube videos and theories and reading the Reddit page and things like that, just trying to figure out what the fuck the story is. So you got way deeper into oh, it than yeah. I ever did. So. Oh yeah, I, I went I went elbow deep, sir. And it was Elbow wild. Deep. Oh and I've just kind of tracked it, so I don't even feel like I need to play it again because I tried it, but now I know the story. So right. my whole thing is like, I play games to unravel a story. But now that you know the now story. Now I know it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not going to jump back like, into I get it. It, it uh, looks frustrating, but it does also look frustrating. rewarding at the same time. I'm not patient, so no. that's tricky. Um, when this debuted, it debuted at number four on the UK all format sales chart, doing about 92,000 units in its first. Like when it debuted, so good for them. Pretty rad. Um, and going into this, I want to let you know that the original title for this was Hunger. Hunger. Okay. Yeah, which which that does makes play sense. In. Um, but here's why they changed it. They realized if you're trying to figure out more of this game, you're gonna type in Hunger Game. Oh <laughs> shit! Really? So no way. Dead ass. The people behind it have gone on record being like, it was called Hunger. We had this whole theme of hunger. Obviously, we're gonna talk about the hunger aspects of the game, but it was all about being called hunger. Right. And then someone was like, you're a consumer. You want to learn more about this game. What do you type? Hunger game. <laughs> and who do you see? Katniss. Yeah. <laughs> not six, not the maw, no, just Katniss. You're looking at Jennifer Lawrence for far too long. Yeah. So literally they had like one trailer out called hunger. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think part of this is also, um, this game was released by Bandai. So Bandai might've been like, Guys, yeah, fucking try googling it. It's oh, not God. good. Um, so yeah, Van and I published this. Um, eventually, after it was renamed to Little Nightmares, and they were like, "Oh, that's a Googleable name. Good job." Little Nightmares is a great name. And it's super creepy and works yeah. very well in World with us. No, I, I like. I mean, I get why they were calling it Hunger. I like Little Nightmares better. Yeah. Um, and this is actually the first in-house project by Tarsier Studios. Okay. So it's a Swedish studio um, that have done a bunch of work on the little big planet games okay i was gonna say really this looked like a little big planet game really in a lot of ways i've never played those i don't know anything about them. okay yeah no this was very reminiscent of watching a little big planet that's so funny so it's it's a very 2d platformer with a 3d world which is really okay. fascinating but yeah this was very reminiscent of a, of a little big planet that's so funny yeah i just when i see it i see the cover art of like the little like stitched up brown figure and like bright colors mm -hmm. and like very bright and fun and this is the opposite of bright and fun well now that you say uh this is was a swedish studio that actually makes a lot of sense because because uh rugrats was a swedish style as really? well that was done uh by a swedish person klaski supo uh yeah yeah uh, huh. supo and so that's the very much of a swedish style is that kind of ugly look like these kind of <laughs> deformed faces not pretty not pretty it's, a little creepy it's, yeah they're, they're, everything's a little bit exaggerated so that yeah okay that makes a lot of sense then just a little disarming so it's not exactly what you see in your head it's yeah just a little dramatized yeah yeah that's fascinating um i didn't know that but yeah this is their first original title they did a lot of this team um specifically like the writer the director um the developer the key like the key core cast of this game all did Little Big Planet 3 together. Okay. So then they broke out, they wanted to make something of their own, um, and they put this game together, and for a freshman title, it's I mean, going pretty well. you had some pretty heavy hitters going into it, to be real. Yeah, Little Big Planet, you're doing the third in the series, that one did Gangbusters. That one was really well And they done. were like, y'all want to get weird with this? <laughs> yeah, let's take this and get really strange. As of 
July 2018, this game ha- itself has 78,000 followers on Twitch. Just watching wow. other people play the game. Just to do that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Because, well, I mean, wild. I guess it is a very, if it's a puzzle game, you can make it a very collaborative effort and totally. having people help you try to figure out the puzzles. Yeah. Okay, that's people fun. People being like, look out. Yeah, yeah. Scary men's there. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so first title, I'm super impressed by it. They developed this all by themselves, and Bandai came in to publish it and really put it across platforms, put some money behind the marketing. Um, they did a big campaign to push it, especially since they kind of changed their name after first announcing it. Right. They had to be like, it's this one now. No, this we is realize that this game, is difficult that? to Google. This is that one. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the background of this game, who made it, how it's doing. It's Going off. If you haven't heard about this game, you've haven't opened YouTube and. To be year. real, I hadn't heard about it until you brought it up. Really? Yeah. At all? That, that was the first time I'd seen or heard that. Oh, game. last year when I was in New York Comic Con, I saw a woman and a man cosplaying. The girl was the little girl six in the big yellow raincoat, and the guy had these paper mache arms that were oh, attached really? to her shoulders. Okay. So she'd walk ten feet in front of him, and he'd. Waddle and be the uh, blind janitor with the long arms. And the noodle it was, arms. I lost my mind. That was so good. I didn't realize you didn't know what that was. No, no. I think I sent it to you being like, holy shit. And you're like, that's nice. Yeah, no, I remember exactly you sending me that. Oh. And, uh, I uh, had no idea what I was looking at. You're like, I was like, cool, cool, spooky shit. Great, great costumes, everybody. I don't, Come I, home. I honestly probably dismiss it as like an anime thing that I didn't know. Because <laughs> there's so much obscure shit in an anime. Not that... my fandom. Right. <laughs> I get that, but yeah, this game's wild. Uh, as Tom mentioned, so a full game came out in last year, 2017, April, and kind of over the end of 17 and into early 18, three pieces of a DLC were also released mm-hmm. called Secrets of the Maw. Um, three episodes came out, and there are there's more content on the way. Um, there we, is still more coming? Yes, Goodness. Yeah. So the DLC came out in July, November, and then February of this year. So kind of rolled out every few months. We right. just got the last bit of lore in February 2018 when that DLC wrapped. But in 2019, we have a TV show coming. A TV show? Yes. On what? Like Freeform? There's no network associated yet. But okay. Actually, let's play a game. Who do you think is directing the first episode? Is this somebody that... You know him. I know who this person is. And that's a hint. He's a dude. Jay Chandrasekhar. No. Okay. That would be super fucking weird. My only guess. That's your only guess. That's my only guess. Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck from... Nightmare Before oh, Christmas. Oh, from Nightmare Before Christmas. James and, and the Giant Peach. And they're doing stop motion? I believe so. Okay. So... That's a that's an appropriate style for this. I think so, because, like, I think everyone has Burton fatigue, but Henry Selleck is also a visionary in the same vein. Right. You know? James and the Giant, fucking Peach, like... Coraline. Coraline. Fuck me up. I fucking love Coraline. No, I know you love Coraline. Yeah. I got a signed copy of that once. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um Who do you think are the big boy backers of this? I don't know. I... Okay. Um, we just saw one of their movies in the last two months in theaters. Taika Waititi. No, but Taika Waititi and Henry Selleck doing a project together would be... So delightful to see all those little animated Hawaiian shirts. And we haven't even seen a movie by Taika Waititi. We didn't see them in years last few months. Over a year. Yeah. Just Thor Ragnarok, so I don't know where that came from. (laughs) Well, no, we had just recently watched his movie on uh, the other one. Yeah. The vampire one. In theaters, we saw this this summer. In theaters, what have we seen? I don't know. Um, We haven't gone out that much. We saw Avengers. So was it a Russo brother? Wait, really? It is 
both of the Russo brothers backed this, got Wait, the rights. for real? Deadass. Oh, okay. Anthony and Joe got the rights to this to build out a series, and they got Henry Selleck to sign on to direct the first episode. Wow. This is slated to come out in 2019. Uh, they have not said fucking anything. They haven't said if it's a continuation of Six hitting land. This is a runaway kid's story. This isn't Six. This isn't the geisha. Like, they just said they're fucking doing it. All right. Well, I'm fascinated, but... <laughs> you I... look interested, but you also look confused. Well, just because this whole story t- to begin with is confusing. True. And strange. So should we get into the actual story now? Yeah, yeah. I kind of jumped around to like all my fun out-of-game points. Yeah. That I was going to go over, but I just got really excited. Right, so. right. Okay, so let's discuss where the game is. So the game is on the Maw. The Maw. Now, here's my question, because it appears as if it doesn't begin on the Maw. Okay. To me, it appears as if it begins somewhere else, and then there's a boat that takes you to the Maw, and then you're on the Maw. Okay. That's how I interpreted the whole story. Okay. But again, this whole game is open to interpretation. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of it. There's like, no there language. There are no words. Right. It doesn't tell you anything. You kind of go through this experience and... The visuals kind of tell the story, mm-hmm. which makes it really fascinating. So yeah. going in and just watching it without knowing anything about it, you're p- piecing shit together right? <laughs> in a very strange manner. It's all mishmash. It's very mishmash. So, <laughs> well, regardless, the Maw is out at sea. Right. Everyone can agree to that. It's, And you feel that in the gameplay because you see the screen kind of... Dipping and flowing the way you would be on a boat. And that's why I feel like there's a segment of it that does take place on a boat. Okay. Th- but then eventually, like, the Maw is kind of like a lighthouse, Alcatrazzy kind of a situation. Outpost. Outpost, like, out in the middle of the ocean, almost like Azkaban prison, too. It's it's just... This thing, the lighthouse in Bioshock, it's just out by yeah, itself. Yeah, <laughs> lighthouse in Bioshock, it's just out by itself. But it's hard to tell if it's a prison colony if it's a place where the wealthy go to indulge, we'll get into it. Yeah. And all of those things he said are valid. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's like, a, it's very open to interpretation. Yeah. So the Maw is the central location of the game. Mm-hmm. I believe you start in the depths of the Maw in underwater because you see her like climbing out from the bottom and up into the front in the game. But open interpretation again, it's fucking wild. Yeah. So, the first thing you see in game is kind of a dreamlike sequence of a geisha woman. She's tall, she's thin, she has a white geisha mask. Yeah, but it's of... a very plain mask. It's yeah. just like eyes, nose, mouth. But yeah, it... no adornments. Nothing like that, but it's, you know, it's a very pretty face. Yeah, and um, she's, again, very thin. She has this really beautiful traditional kimono and a beautiful traditional updo. And she's staring you down and she's fucking mad. Right. And you wake up, presumably you are six. Now, six is, how tall would you say she is? It's hard to tell. Uh, (laughs) Perspective in this game is very strange. I think it's supposed to convey this is a small child. Right. And how large the world seems to a small child. Yeah, I agree that I think it's in place of, like, a metaphor. So while everything she interacts with can be either tiny and her size... And then there's 
giants. Right. Every all like I guess you would call those adults. And to a child, that's what an adult is. They're huge. They're gigantic. They're they're overbearing. And their world is their size. And her world is her size. So she almost seems like she could be mouse-sized. Yeah. However, there's things like stairs that she climbs with ease. Because that is something a child could do regardless of being in an adult world. Totally. And to touch on that, there's this kind of sequence where you see her next to a mouse or a mice will run, mouse will run by her. And she's basically the same length and size of a mouse. So like, Yeah. In that, that makes sense. I do believe that it is kind of the metaphor of being a child and... The notion of little nightmares of her being tiny, especially, I just, I feel mm-hmm. like that resonates there. Uh, but she's yeah, adorable. Supposed to be, definitely supposed to be a child, but really just in a raincoat. Yeah. Um, her name is Six. We never find out why. Who, again, no language, no dialogue, Mm-mm. no audio files, no notes you can find. No, there's nothing like that. Well, there kind of is one note you can find. But you can't read it. Right. Um, Which, again, leads to you th- like believing this is a child. Like, yeah, she might be illiterate. She might just not care to look through other people's shit. Um, but Six wakes up, mm-hmm. and she is here to fuck shit up and escape. Yes. She is on a mission. She's scared, and she's hungry. She's scared and hungry and very much alone. Because one of the first things that Six sees is a pair of legs dangling over a chair. Which is such horrific imagery to have. To open the game. To open the game. Like, you've moved maybe one or two screens away from the starting spawn point. Mm -hmm. And there are limp legs hanging from a ceiling. You don't see the rest of the body. You don't see the rest of the body. And you're tiny next to, again, emphasizing just how little this this character is in comparison to the world she's facing. Yeah. Um, And next to that body, there is an envelope Mm -hmm. that you can't open can't open it, but you can Such see a bummer. that it's there. Oh, it's so creepy. It's just so very clearly a suicide. Now, do you want to wait to interpret to later? Spoiler alert. I guess. No. <laughs> I mean, I think we can drop notes and build on them here. Okay. Do you want to talk about the body being her dad? I, I feel it's her dad. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel that it's her dad. I feel that there was an escape situation that occurred between her and her dad. Okay. Or she escaped to go to her dad mm. and discovered him dead and now is realizing she's on her own. Okay. But I feel like one way or the other, she was alone, was with her dad, dad's dead now, now she's alone again. Yeah. That's a popular theory as well. A lot of people have speculated that's her father. Which is why I feel like it takes place away from the Maw. Mm. I feel like she had escaped the Maw at some point, either with her dad or went to her dad, finds herself alone, and now the only other thing she knows is the Maw, so she has to sneak back. Okay, I like that. So they're kind of on the land, and they get caught, and he's put in a situation where this happens. Right. And I, I do feel it's a suicide. I don't feel it's a murder because he's able to leave a note. Right. So I it's, think I feel it's a, definitely a suicide. Yeah. And that's why it's either she got there and he was dead, or they were together. He felt helpless and killed himself because she's hungry to begin with. Right. Like from the very outset. Yeah. So let's go a little bit further in. Okay. So she's hungry, and we know she's hungry because the music shifts to feeling a little more strenuous. Mm-hmm. It feels more stressful, and she's gripping her stomach and kind of keeling over. Like, she's so Just hungry walking. she could puke. Yeah. She moves slower. Uh, she's 
She just looked real sad. We never see her face, so I'm obviously just speculating on right, but <laughs> how she looks. She's her stomach. She's bending over. She, she's the screen like flashes a little bit, you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, kind of where we are in the maw. She's in a place where there's a lot of pipes and tubes and grates and boxes, so it might be a lower level storage area. That's right. Kind of what I was getting at. Uh, so she's walking through, and there's a a wall that's like barred. And it looks like there's kind of a food area through the bars. and Right, like there was a cafeteria on yeah. the other side of the bars. Yeah. Like, it, it almost seemed like a prison for children. Right. And someone on the other side of the bars throws her, like, a piece of bread or a piece of food. or mm-hmm. We don't really, we can't really tell what it is, but we can kind of tell who it is. Who? Oh, you're, um, it's speculated to be the runaway kid that throws her her first piece of food. Oh, okay. Now, the runaway kid is from the DLC. Right. Okay. So... Okay, I didn't realize that was speculated to be the first person to throw food. That's it's, fascinating considering. It's the same silhouette um, when you look at their head shapes. Okay. And he comes back later. That's the weird thing about the DLC is that there's three episodes of DLC and they're all about Runaway Kid and not about Six. Mm-hmm. Even though Six is the main character of the main game. So you almost have these two main characters yeah, for and, this series. And Six is alluded to in the DLC. And obviously with this piece... Runaway Kid is alluded to in the main game. Right. It's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he throws her a little bit of food. She eats it super quickly, and then she's fine again. And she's full power. You can run. Uh, the You can do whatever you need to do. As a note, the only thing that Six has on her person, aside from her raincoat, is a lighter. Right. It's a Zippo lighter, too. So it's like one that you just have to light, and it keeps going. Do you think that's something her dad might have given her? Possibly, yeah. Very much so. That feels like a good parent-to-child gift. It was right around here where I really started to get my first Holocaust vibes. Oh. I really thought this game was about the Holocaust at the beginning. Okay. Which is why I say my interpretation has changed going forward. But, yeah, this whole... I really thought this was a Holocaust-like parallel. Because of the starvation aspect of it? The starvation of it, the, the running and... Uh, the the characters that come later. So we've got the long. Um, let's get into the janitor character that's coming up here anyway. Mm-hmm. So there's this janitor character in these. Again, he reminded me of like at um Day of the Dead celebrations. Those big puppets oh, with yeah. the big arms that they sometimes have. they're parade floats. Yeah, they're the big parade floats and stuff. So they have the big like multi-person puppets. It's got the really long arms and a big oversized head. They're usually paper mache and, and kind and they're of paper lumpy. Mache, yeah, yeah, and they have like really squat bodies. So that was like the kind of vibe that I got from this creature. Now apparently it's blind. Is the idea. There's bandages all around his head. Mm-hmm. And he has a little hat on top of his head. Right. And he's and he's blind and he just responds to sound, so it's a very stealthy creep around the corner right. kind of stuff that you gotta avoid him. And you know, he's got these long they call I guess people call them noodle arms in, yeah. in, in, in the lore. And they're just super long. They're way too long for his body. But again, to a child, that's just like this grasping nature of this character. Right. And he's constantly feeling around on the ground for her. If you make a noise, he'll shuffle over and feel around the ground everywhere you are. So Mm -hmm. if you're hiding, you have to be very hidden, weird corners and things. He's super fucking creepy. And again, I'm thinking like Nazi Gestapo kind of stuff going on when the first time I'm going through the game. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, okay, so that's like the whole allegory they're going for here. Then they get into this room of shoes, which is... Pure... As you found out later, is an absolute allegory to the Holocaust. It's so horrifying. So during the Holocaust, they would 
slaughter all these people during the genocide and they didn't know what to do with their clothes. So they mm. ended up with mountains of shoes. Just tons and, and tons of shoes. And, and like yeah, we saw the pictures. It's of, fucking horrifying. Right. And it's just all shoes. And so Six ends up in this like sea of shoes at one point even. An and, endless sea of shoes. And, and like has to dig her way out of all these shoes. So that's to me, I'm just watching this thinking like, holy shit, my <laughs> God, like, did somebody live through this? That was my whole thing. Like, is this a somebody's story that they're like really trying to tell in a unique and creative way? Yeah, I mean, this was built by people in Sweden, so there's people in Europe that I mean, may have a lot of people escaped to Sweden, didn't horror they? Horror stories from their grandparents, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And grew yeah. up with this imagery and saying, "Okay, this is what happened just over there." Mm-hmm. Fuck. Crazy. Yeah. and But using this ma as an allegory for it, like, okay, so let's keep going with this. So Yeah. To comment on that piece of the allegory as well, at one point, Six goes up to a mousetrap. She's getting the hunger pains again. Right. There's a piece of cheese in the mousetrap, and she picks the cheese up. She gets trapped, and Longarms has her in a cage, mm-hmm. which... Just... That also works in your piece right there. Right. It's fucking horrifying, and... She is in a box next to a friend of ours, who we'll talk about later. Right. She, we, he well. Just, <laughs> you don't realize it at the time yet, but. Yeah. Uh, so she's captured by long arms. She's able to escape, and she kind of goes through this weird holding area, I'd want to say, that's kind of abandoned at this point. There's not a lot of things in it, but there's a nursery area, and there's a playground area clearly meant for children. Yeah, but it's all completely and totally abandoned, kind of like in Portal 2 when you go through the science fair section. Yeah! Where it's like you see all the kids' potatoes, and and then you get the very end, the one potato like was super growing and stuff. (laughs) Fuck shit up. Right. Yeah, so Longarm seems to be in charge of this... Child care, child overseeing area thing, yeah, yeah, because it's all in the same area where we see that cafeteria where someone throws bread through the the bars, and we see a full nursery that has kind of where you see a is it an ICU when you give birth, and there's like that room full of babies. Well, no, an ICU that's that's the intensive care unit. Oh, okay. it's so. not the infant care unit. No, damn it. No, no, no. no. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> where the dads all look through the glass and stuff, and like, yeah, that's and my go, kid. That over one's there. probably mine. Yeah, the babies have to socialize or something, right? <laughs> it that, just sounds like the they put, found a room full of like freshly screaming diarrhea babies. Yeah, that's basically this what is it a is. Smelly room. Okay. So there's a smelly room. Mm-hmm. And there's a room full of shoes. There's kind of a playground area where there's like a seesaw and a mini merry-go-round. Right. Again, abandoned and probably not used in a while. It's super dirty. It's super dark. The whole game is kind of dirty and dark. Like, it's very dusty. Yeah, this is not an uplifting story. No! If you haven't caught on, this isn't like a feel-good game. No! You're not going to get the Night in the Woods vibes where you go, I should call my best friend from high school. This is like, I should donate money to a cause. Fuck. <laughs> Holy shit. So you go through this area and Long Arms chases you basically through every room. You're hiding from him. You're going through pipes and things to avoid him. Right. And it's the type of hiding that you're doing. So you remember how you said... That she's like the size of a mouse. She's like yeah. a rat. That was the way the Nazis described the Jews in a lot of times, is that Fuck. they were rats. Jesus Christ. And so that's like why, again, I was getting that whole like Holocaust allegory going, because like she's that size. She's hiding in like 
tight corners. She's, she's not eating out of a mousetrap. She's not hiding in a closet. She's hiding under the floorboards. You know, that's the kind of stuff she's doing. So again, wow. it's just throughout this whole game, you're getting this strong vibe of the Holocaust. I don't think I know enough about the Holocaust because this is all like blowing my fucking mind. And well, where, where can I donate money? As we learned last week, I used to fall asleep watching, what was that movie? Inglorious, Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. Your so, fucking lullaby. Right. Qu- for like Quentin Tarantino, you lunatic. <laughs> Maybe it is just ingrained in you. There's a weird sense of humanity in it. And I'm curious what you think of it because at one point, Six goes into a room where she's chased by Daddy Longarms and... It's a toy room, mm-hmm. but it's like broken, fucked up toys. Do you think that's where they're mending them, or do you think that's where they get taken away? Oh, that's where they get taken away. Oh, no. Yeah. No, it's absolutely where it gets taken away. This place is not meant for children to be happy. This <laughs> is a place where children are meant to be raised. Uh, you know, I hate to reference this movie because it's not a good movie, but Attack of the Clones where they're building the clone army with all the children. It's very military. I've never seen that. Imagine like a dirty, disgusting version of that where you're just raising children that you know you're going to send to slaughter, essentially. Farms children. Farms children, yeah. And and yet it's, but like, it's as if that supply of children has run out. That's super creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does feel like the children have waned down. Because of all the shoes, especially, it's a sign yeah. that there's already been... Multitudes of children. A lot of dead kids. Yeah, it's super creepy. And just, it, it is so disarming that it's empty. Mm-hmm. It's weird to see an empty playground, you know, if you drive by at night and you're like, oh, that's spooky now at night when there's yeah. no one there, but it's fine during the day. But it definitely feels like a park that was abandoned. Uh, there are, like I said, there's like a seesaw and a merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. So they, I feel like they put in some fixtures to be like, there you go. There. The, you mean you got to entertain the kids. Yeah. Because otherwise they're just going to be screaming all the time. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. And another note is that, again, we're at the very bottom of the ship or wherever we are. Right. I feel we're in the Maw. And it's like keeping them as buried as possible. See, again, I don't think they're in the Maw just quite yet. Where I think this this is where they do the raising. They do that off-site. The Maw, I feel like, is is like the Vegas. Just the surface area? The Maw is the place to be. That's okay. that's where you go to. Like, this is just... Supply chain? Yeah, this is the supply chain here. Okay. Because we'll get into why there's children to begin with. Mm-hmm. And why there's dead children. Ugh. Anyway. So, Daddy Long Arms is chasing you around. You go through a room that's full of clocks... Also super fucking creepy. Right. And you go through a library that's kind of ironic because he's blind. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. I had a note of like, how does this help him? (laughs) But eventually you go through kind of a more high speed chase. And Six turns into a badass Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. And what does she do? She cuts off his fucking arms. Right. She runs through the door and slams the door, like, down on his arms and chops them. Now, d- see, I didn't get the vibe that they got chopped off. Because one of them kept flapping around. So I just felt like they were shut down on them, but, like... Completely flattened? Just... At least broken? Yeah, they're probably broken, but I don't think that he lost his arms in this situation. We don't see this character again, so... Yeah. It's it, all it he has. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> That is the end of that character, but... Yeah, so there's kind of big three big sections. The first big section is Daddy Long Arms, once you're exploring, and 
It's it great. is broken up into acts, isn't it? It's broken into chapters, yeah, but I'm kind of classified as like big goals. So it's this guy, chefs, and geisha in my right. head. Okay. The way I've... That's fair. There, I don't think that those are the exact chapter breaks. I think the chapter breaks more of what section of the map you're in. More yeah, so. the location. Yeah, but in my head, I broke it out by boss battle. Okay. And long arms is really funny. You get, you run through a door that is closed on a cage and she's pulling apart the cage so that the door will close farther and farther on his arms. And he just knows that there's a child in here and I have to get it. So he's sticking his arms through the door and it's like the Indiana Jones hat scene, but gone wrong. It's right. Especially <laughs> so you feel really good for her. You're like, yes, bitch. Yes. Right, get it. Yeah. You are tiny. You fix shit and you got him to leave you alone. Yeah. That does leave you very hungry, though. Extremely hungry. So should we introduce some of the side characters? Yeah. Okay. So throughout the game, you're encountering these little creatures. I guess we're calling them gnomes. The gnomes. And they look a little racist. Yep. Um, They are completely white and pointy on the top. Yeah. They look like basically creatures wearing little white hoods. Yeah, pointy white hood. Uh, they don't have eyeballs or eye slits or anything no. like that. They're almost like mushroom people, too. Yeah, they have little stubby feet and then like kind if, of a point. If a mushroom had a pointy top instead of a rounded top. Like a dunce hat mushroom? Yeah, like a dunce hat mushroom. So, <laughs> it, it, you know, they're a little bit racist looking and stuff. But you encounter them, and every time you get to them, they just run away. They're kind of, they're NPCs. They don't. They're real nervous. They're real nervous. I think you can pick them up and throw them at things every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> you can use them to distract the long arm noodle guy. Uh, they're not super helpful. And again, they, they run away just when you encounter them anyway. Yeah, they're very skittish. They're just a touch smaller than Six. Yeah. Six is just a little bit bigger than them. So Six defeats Daddy Longarms. She runs through. She sees some gnomes. And they're like, bah, fuck you. And like right. run away. And she sees a rat trap with it actual live rats stuck in it. Mm-hmm. She just killed some dude, probably. Well, right. Or at least maimed him. Hurt him. She's starving. Again. So she goes over to the live rat, wriggling around in the rat trap, mm-hmm. and eats him. Oh. And this is when you go, oh. Things are getting worse. Oh, no, baby girl. Are you okay? Yeah. Things don't seem okay for you right now. I mean, to be fair, she's upgrading on the food chain. Yeah. You know, now she's got some protein in her. It was a scrap and then some cheese, and now it's a full rat. Yeah. Who's about her body size. Yeah. So she's definitely getting up there. It's just, it's so disarming when you see her eat something live, because you assume she has pure intentions. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not demonizing meat eating at all, we had steak for dinner tonight. We went to, like, a steakhouse. Right. And I have my own feelings about vegans. Whatever. (laughs) It's so disarming to see someone eat a live creature that is trapped and helpless. Right. It's fucking creepy. No, it totally is. It's super scary. Especially when it's a a small child. Yeah. Because I was thinking of of like homelessness. And and this is something that, this is where my my theories started to change. Okay. Started to change a A little bit. A lot started to change with this moment. In in these moments here where I started to think, okay, this might not necessarily have to be the story of somebody who was a part of the Holocaust, but maybe the story of somebody who was homeless. A survivor story. A survivor story of some kind where you're orphaned and homeless and what you have to do to survive in those kind of conditions and kind mm-hmm. of the horrible places that you find yourself ending up in yeah, simply because you have no other choices. Ugh. So, so sad. But again, 
all my theories change <laughs> constantly throughout this game. I have rotating theories that ebb and flow with yeah. this game. It's it's pretty wild, and I think this for me this felt like just a character shift of she's more ruthless. Okay. Because it's kind of after her first big break. Like, See, I saw it as she's more desperate. Okay. So I thought she was being a badass, and you were like, this poor girl's in such yeah. a tough time right now. No, I'm going to the complete opposite. And we could seat. both be right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Know? Unfortunately, those two things can happen simultaneously. They really she's can. Like, Fuck it. Everything's awful. I'm going to eat this lav rat. <laughs> Fuck this And yeah, boat. and I'm thinking like, yeah, everything's awful. I have to eat this live rat. Yeah. <laughs> I came out of more dick swinging than you did. Because <laughs> I had a little more faith in Six as like a badass heroine. But... And I have more faith in Six as being just like... The a good person who has no other choice. <laughs> I mean, I don't envy her life. Anyway, so we'll get we'll keep moving on. So, as I kind of alluded to, this next section is the cooks. The cooks are fucking hysterical. Which I didn't realize was cooks plural until mm. very far into it. Okay. <laughs> I thought this was cl- the cook one, kind of like noodle arms. Yeah. But you do find out later there are many, at many least cooks. Two. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think there's a sequence. I think I saw like five on screen at one point. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Some in the backgrounds and stuff like that. But Got it. There are a shit ton of cooks in this. Too How- many cooks, one might argue. Ay, ay, ay. How would you describe the cook? The, the cook. So, are- again... Ugly. Uh, remember, yes. the, the these adults are all ugly. They're horrific, and this one is just the ugliest. He looks a little like the Mayor dad Sinclair. <laughs> oh, I thought Mary McCheese. Like it looks like a Mary McCheese helmet, but as if it was a human being. But he's also so fat and stout. Right. Also very fat, and I and uh, I think of like. Man, why am I thinking of Attack of the Clones again? But the <laughs> the guy in the um, Tom's trying to get me to watch the prequels, guys. I'm help me! I'm not really. It's a terrible movie. I don't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> I but haven't in, seen them. In the cafe, there's a really big fat like creature guy, and he's mm-hmm. like pulling up his pants as he's walking. He's all covered in grease or blood and all this <laughs> stuff. But before we had gotten to the chefs, we had gotten through a room full of white bags. Oh God, yeah. So. To get into the chef area, Six hops on a meat hook. Mm-hmm. And there is clearly indicated why that hook exists. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are, I say white bags, they are white body bags. They are the size of people and, and the shape of people. Some of them are smaller people. Very, A lot of them are, are the size of Six. Which is fascinating, too, because as you transition from the play area into the kitchen... The way you get there is the way that the dead bodies get there. Yeah. Which, ah, Which shows that the play kills. area was the last line for these kids where they were then killed. Yeah, long long arms took care of it and sent the meat up. So the, the reason why you go from a play area to a kitchen is because the kitchen is where they are going to start preparing children as food. We've gone through this, and I feel so much more creeped out now that we're talking about it. Right? It's because like, it's like the underlying pieces are coming to the we're saying surface. it out loud. Because we're saying it out loud, so it's real. And yeah. you're, <laughs> I mean, it's I'm just a video game, honey. Don't worry. No, it's not. No. This is life. <laughs> this but, is real. But yeah, it's, it is interesting that the path you follow is kind of the path of where your fallen brethren would have taken. Right. And that, that does translate towards the end of the game as well. So it's not just this sequence. You truly follow the path of the dead. Mm-hmm. 
as a living person. As a living person. Not in a Coco cute way. No. <laughs> this is the opposite of Coco. You're going to cry for a very different reason. Yeah. Coco is like a feel good, maybe I should like fix things with my mom right. movie. <laughs> I didn't. But <laughs> still haven't talked. But on another horrible sad note, this is just fucking scary. Yeah. This is like scary sad. Yeah. So again, bodies are moved from the play area taking care of ground via meat hook in white body bags. And there are body bag numbers to match the sea of shoes we saw earlier. Easily. Uh, there is a pile of meat backstock. There are some empty body bags with blood coming out of them in mm-hmm. another pile. Oh, there's bloody handprints and s- footprints and yeah. body drags like throughout the whole game. Which also kind of indicates not all of them were ready to go to the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, I'm give- I'm freaking like, myself out. And like, there's some that like indicate like a trap door, which means like somebody was bleeding out, got to the trap door, but they weren't beyond that. So yeah, yeah, you don't encounter anybody living unless that's what the gnomes are, are like other kids that have escaped this, but like are hiding in the crevices and just wasting away anyway. Yeah, which might be why they're so extra small. And they just all kind of blend in together to be the same creature. They're Ugh. just to a again to a child's eyes, these are all the same people anyway. Ugh, it's so creepy. Or it could be like the uniform of the kids while they're there. You know, you never know. Yeah. Ugh. Because li- there's the pictures later, but we'll get into those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of lore. Like it's so... yeah. There's like pictures of the gnomes in Noodle Arms apartment. Right. We do see that. And so it's, those could be a bunch of kids. You don't know. Yeah, and he was in charge of them. He might have found some of the... Also, why did he have pictures if he was blind? I don't know. Maybe someone was fucking with him. So it's like, questions. yeah, it's your mom. She looks great in this. <laughs> oh, it's from your wife. Yeah, she looks hot. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. It's those babies you murdered, you psychopath. <laughs> Take it down, noodle. Right. Uh, so it's super fucking creepy. We see the gnomes a little more running around the kitchen. They weren't as... There's a few downstairs, but as you get in the kitchen, you see a few more kind of running around the background. Right, there's a whole bunch So more. it may indicate that they're scavenging. Uh, this is an active kitchen. So once you walk in, you see the body bags, and the first chef you see is chopping meat like Salt Bay. Right. I feel like now we are at the mall, personally. Okay. In terms of my like personal opinion on where, where we're we are. Yeah. So... Do you think that transition is really just where we keep the murder and the blood separate, and then once you get into this, it's more of the resort of the mall, yep. and this is like the back of house area? This is the back of house of the kitchens. Okay. Yeah. Tom thinks in kitchen terms a lot. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, but I, I, that makes some sense just to kind of separate the death and the bodies and stuff, because there would be so much screaming mm-hmm. where Long Legs area is. And especially if you're trying to cater to a certain crowd, mm-hmm. you don't want them dealing with that. Yeah. You don't want to hear the screaming babies. No. When you get veal, you don't want to see it, how fresh it is. <laughs> right. You don't want to see them slaughter the, the baby yeah. calf. It's okay when it's uh, lobsters for some reason, but... <laughs> I know. Pick out your own lobster. It'll be out here in a few minutes. Like, that seems morbid as shit, but okay. But some places even have, like, a claw game where you can play to pick Stop. up your lobster. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I've been to a few places that have that. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's like one of those, like, teddy bear claw games. And Will it goes you take down me to one? And it grabs your... I think uh, Dick's Last Resort in San Diego. I really? I definitely had one, yeah. That's a chain. I want I want to go. Okay. I... 
that sounds fucking amazing, and I needed some bit of sunlight in this horribly dark game. Yeah. So now I'm happy. That you can make a game out of killing a creature. Yeah, that's Damn it, a Tom, really... why you gotta do this to me? <laughs> what the fuck? I just gave you some real lightness out of that one. So you want me to cry myself to sleep tonight or not? This game's already going to give you huge <laughs> nightmares, not just little ones. It's not so. little nightmares. It's fucked up, horrifying nightmares. These are massive nightmares. So the nightmare takes us into the kitchen, where mm-hmm. we immediately see meat being cut up. We're not talking about where the meat's from. No. Is a baby. It's a... Oh, is baby meat. Baby meats. And there's a lot of stealth in this area. There's a few chefs. I feel like there's at least two working in the kitchen, maybe a third to cycle in and out. Yeah. But it's a lot of puzzles involving turning things on and sending them in other rooms. Yeah, distracting them with, like, noises off in the distance. Yeah, they can see. Yes, so if you get in their problem. Yeah, so if you get in their eyesight, they can kind of shuffle after you, but they have st- their proportions are more reasonable to a regular human, where they have arms that are proportionate to their torsos. Right, but they're still giants and massive, and yeah, you're tiny. Like six is tiny compared to them. What is weird about their face? Well, their face, like I said, looked like a uh, Mary McCheese helmet, but if it was completely human. And it's also in that sense that it's a mask. It is a fucking face mask and not the cute Sephora way. No. It's someone else's face. It's like a big rubber mask because from time to time you can see them lift up and like scratch the face underneath, (laughs) which the face underneath doesn't look any better or worse. No, like they're stout dudes. They're not going to be super hot from the neck up. Right. They're going to be fucked up under the mask. So... Again, all I can think of is metaphors if they all look alike, even though they're technically not. It's so creepy. Yeah. And And, and uniforms, and again, Nazi uniforms, that kind of thing. There's a theory that they are beautiful under the mask, and I do not buy into that. I refuse to believe that. No. (laughs) And I feel that they are probably maimed so horribly they have to wear the mask to appear human. Oof. Because when we see with long arms, something fucking horrible happened to his face as well, where he's blind. That's true. But we we have indications that the chefs can see, but I Mm -hmm. think that maybe they've lost their nose or their mouths have been sewn shut or something. Well, I mean, you have to think that not everybody is so evil. That these people have to be, like, tricked into doing this in some way. You know what I mean? Tom has a better heart than I do. I do, but... You know, you you have to believe that they've been tortured in ways themselves and forced into this. Oh, I absolutely believe this is from torture. Yeah. Like, I believe that maybe they've been experimented on to push more of the Holocaust allegory there. Like, maybe they've... I feel that Daddy Longarms is probably an experiment. I mean, maybe also it could just be situations of, like, yeah, they signed up at first. Like, yeah, I can cook human meat. And then after killing their 400th baby, they're just like, this is really starting to get to me. I want to quit. And she's like, oh, you want to quit, do you? Sorry, I'm saying she. Spoiler alert for later. But uh, you want to quit, do you? And then, you know, fucks with them. And it gets to the point where they all have to just. Tell me you quit again. And she rips their tongue out. Yeah. Kind of shit. Fucked up shit. Yeah. Yeah. So again, just to reference it. So everyone's aware there is a theory that they're beautiful and they're hiding it to appear ugly. I, I think, think that's they're bullshit. more deformed. Yeah. I think that that's the best case scenario and they are forced to keep the faces on. So they look as reasonable as possible, but they're fucked up as shit. And even as reasonable possible is hideous. Yeah. 
And I think that they've probably been fucked with in some way that requires cooking. The way Longarms loses his eyesight, even though he's supposed to watch the children. Mm-hmm. Which, there's some horrible, horrible irony there. Right. Maybe they've had their mouths sewn shut, or their tongues ripped out, or something, and they have to cook for everyone. Right. I think it's morbid as fuck. I mean, it's... Ugh. This whole thing is This whole thing fuck. is really bad. So, obviously, from the kitchen, you have to go into the restaurant. The dining room. And my God, this was the most disgusting, horrific thing I've seen in a long time. There are sequences in Spirited Away that are very reminiscent of this. Have you seen Spirited Away? I haven't seen Spirited Away. What it reminded me of was, I know you haven't seen... I mean, If they, you bring up another fucking prequel... No, no, it's not another fucking prequel. But it's... Uh, now, the TV series is running right now, and this is far down the road for the TV series, but in the comic book series Preacher, there's a character they call the Sausage Guy. Okay. And it just... It reminds me of that guy, and just... It's... Think of just sausages and meats everywhere. Based on the fact that you called said this looks like someone you think is called the sausage guy, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So Based on re- that description alone, I'm in. Reminds me of him in a lot of ways, but if that guy was, like, grotesquely fat. Yeah. So, they are circles? Well, first we have to go into the restaurant. Right. Which... Six does, and as Six is going into the restaurant, she's following this line of fat, grotesque human creatures. And we see them boarding at one point. We Mm -hmm. see them kind of filing in. Um, The dining room itself feels a little traditional Japanese, similar to the Lady the Geisha that I've talked about earlier, where there's the the first time we really see the Geisha, though, too. That's right. We do see her for the first time. So Six sees the geisha, and she's, like, standing on a balcony overlooking everybody filing into her restaurant. Yeah. And again, the restaurant is very Japanese-themed. There's those paper sliding doors. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the lower tables looks like you might sit on the floor kind of thing. Right. So it feels a little tra- traditional. Like, if you go to a geisha house and you have, like, do the tea ceremonies and stuff, from my very limited knowledge of what the geisha experience is, <laughs> it's similar. Right. <laughs> And I again, guess. I'm wrong. I'm, you're probably very wrong. Yeah. But there is a scene in Spirited Away where it's a very similar dining room where okay. it's, it's low, it's traditional, there's the paper things, and people are gorging themselves and then they turn into pigs. Oh. While they're gorging themselves. Okay. Uh, there's like a magical spell that's broken and the girl that gets Spirited Away is the only one that can kind of fix everything. Her parents turn into pigs. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're, she and her parents are, like, moving across the country. They stop in this little town, and they're eating a spell breaks, and as her parents are gorging themselves on all this food, they turn into pigs, and she has to kind of go around and fix shit. Wow. And there's a lot of mythology, and the movie's fucking amazing. Okay. I love those movies. I've always heard good things. Oh, wonderful. And I think that was distributed by Disney, so mm-hmm. it got a really wide release. Um, Studio Ghibli, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think Disney handled some um, publishing and distribution. A lot of, that. of distribution, yeah. Yes, so incredibly well. But it reminds me a lot of that, where you just straight up see people gorging themselves, and it's taking the arms and shoving food into their mouths. And as six, Ugh. you're running both on the ground, and like as you run on the ground, like one person will see you, and they'll dive to the floor and like crawl after it's you. It's so scary. <laughs> and if they catch six, they'll fucking just swallow her whole. 
yeah. shove her right in their mouth. Like these people have plates of just sausages and meats and they're just grabbing it by the fistful. It just looks and oily. like shoving it in their mouths. Men and women, they're all fat, they're all disgusting. Again, it's that very Rugrats like ugly style of animation too. Yeah. Which can we also just say the the graphics in this game. Oh, they're ugly but fucking beautiful. Mind-blowingly beautiful. Like the detail. Insane is so precise and for a game that's shrouded in so much darkness you can see dust particles floating in the air in the air while you're moving and just like the folds in in fabrics and things it's it's a very beautiful beautiful graphics game but they use that beauty to convey so much ugliness Mm -hmm. it's just their masteries of shadow and depth and the color palette is limited yes but it still feels so lively and incredible Mm -hmm. it's it's absolutely stunning. Every every single sequence has so much movement and so much going on too. It's it's really well done. But then there's other second segments where Six has to run across the fucking table while all these people are gorging on it and they're like reaching out and trying to grab at her and everything and it's just oh, I, I again, I try to think of the horrors that inspired this kind of a story, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just where that comes from. Right. It's it's so beautiful. I love it. So from the restaurant, that then takes us to kind of our final confrontation. Yeah. So there's a lot of hiding and seeking and kind of working your way through elevators and doing trap doors and getting keys and things like that. Uh, you do kind of run through the room of guests a few times and they... Again, every time they see you, they chase after you. Um, mm-hmm. We see a chef at one point. He's hiding out there. Then something that really shows how hungry Six is happens. That's right. So... And that's right before the final showdown. So okay. we got to so we gotta get through that We're first. there. So Six is wandering and again gets her hunger pains going and is keeling over and sees a hot dog, uh, sit, like a sausage, sitting on, on the floor there. And one of the gnomes runs over and grabs the sausage and takes it over to... Yeah, the gnome, I feel, is clearly trying to feed Six. Yeah. Six is a good distance away. She's grabbing her stomach and she looks like she's about to just fall over dead. Right. And so the gnome brings the sausage over to Six. And Six eats the gnome. Drops the sausage and starts with the gnome's face and fucking eats the gnome. Yeah. How did that work into your plotting of the story. That's how hungry she was. You're like, this poor girl! Yeah. It was just that, again, it's... it's if, if I'm going with the theory that the gnomes are other children, like, she was, again, forced to be so hungry that she had to resort to cannibalism at some point. How do you feel about the fact that he tried to feed her a normal food? Well, is it a normal food, though? Okay. Could have been a finger? No, but, I mean, it's a sausage, but we know what that sausage is made out of. And she wanted hers fresh? I guess, or she Aww. saw that as less than human because it was a gnome. Ah. So, like, while she knows what the sausage is, she doesn't quite know what the gnome is. And you never want to know how the sausage is made. But she knows what. But she knows what the sausage. Yeah, she knows. She how ran the through that shit earlier. And uh, she knows that she doesn't want that. So I felt like the gnome was a better option than the sausage for her. It's so horrifying when that happens. It's yeah, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, there are compilations on YouTube of streamers reacting to that scene. Mm-hmm. 
Because everyone's just like, holy shit. This got dark. This got real fucking dark. Yeah. I know we just ate a live rat, but we're almost forgiving that. Now we're just horrified by this girl. That's rad. So, final <laughs> confrontation. You've made it from the depths of the maw or the maw holding cell, whatever. Wherever. You're at the top of the maw. It's clear that the geisha keeps her shit up at the top of the boat. We always see her. We are looking down, looking up at her. Yeah. She appears on a balcony. Um, so and, She's above everybody else and in think, every way. And that's a big part of her character. So the geisha, again, tall, beautiful, seeming in her silhouette, traditional Japanese. Mm-hmm. And she moves like she's gliding. Right. She has a lot of magic to her. Yeah. Uh, if she catches you, it's very much like a lifts you up with her spell and makes you evaporate kind of shit. But it's, again, I tra- keep trying to go for the metaphor with that, but I can't with this. This is where everything kind of changed again for me. You don't see her as like a Fuhrer, Hail Geisha? I literally lost all of my... <laughs> Whatever um, thread this was, never mind. No, I lost all of the whole Holocaust feelings with this sequence. Okay. Now what I felt was this girl was brought up in a brothel, essentially. Uh, six was. And she was kind of being raised to be a sex worker, even as a child. And this is her confronting the madam her abuser her abuser kind of a thing and so now this whole meat and for slaughter kind of thing that whole feeling changed here into giving kids away for sex is doing the same as cannibalizing them okay so that metaphor just adjusted into a childhood trauma thing and overcoming abuse and and escaping like sex slavery essentially Mm -hmm. um so that's where, with the whole geisha thing, everything changed for me. Yeah. I mean, it's clear that the maw is built on providing vices to people. To the rich and the greedy. Yeah. And that's why they come across so fat and so gross. Yeah. Like but so opulent. Their big vice is gluttony, obviously. Like, right. But it could easily be translated into lust. And maybe there's more than one maw or more than mm-hmm. one area of the maw. Maybe there is one that's all the lust area. Maybe there's one where you kill kids and it's wrath and you hunt the world's greatest game or whatever. Right. Or you raise them to the point where they're just outside of playing on seesaws and then you can just do what you want with them. Yeah, and then it's just here's a body for whatever you need. And right. if you kill it, we'll cook it. So the Ugh. way Six can defeat the geisha mm-hmm. is you find is she finds a mirror and it's really just reflecting her own image back at her. Which is as someone with mommy issues. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, again, and this is why I thought that, because then that would just, to me, say that the geisha was raised in a similar situation, and what she's doing is perpetuating this cycle of abuse onto other people, and mm-hmm. by reflecting the mirror is really just saying, like, look what you're fucking doing to people. Like, yeah. you're, ter- you're making you. You're and, a fucking monster. And you wear a mask, clearly, so you really must hate the way you look. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, so, the way again, the way you defeat the geisha, you end up running into her personal bedroom and her personal mm-hmm. closet. You're getting keys, you're smashing things. Um, you find the one... There's, like, two unbroken mirrors in the game. One you do have to break to get into another room. That's right. So you are forced to break one mirror. And then there's one that's unbroken, which is the only tool you can use to defeat the geisha. You don't use your lighter. And she's floating around you. She's coming to grab you and scare you and presumably eat you. Mm-hmm. Take your soul. Destroy break you, you. Do whatever it is she does. Yeah, but I think... Which we do find out later what she does. Yeah. It's fucked. 
Uh, you hold the mirror up to her like four or five times, and eventually the sight of herself knocks her out so bad that she's just laying on the ground in pain. Right. Almost in the same way that we see Six when she's hungry. Mm -hmm. Six comes up to her, reasonably full power, comes up to her fucking face, and goes to town eating her. That's right. Just fucking eats the geisha. And she doesn't get bigger. She doesn't buff out or anything. She just fucking eats her face. Yep. Like a badass bitch. <laughs> I love six. She, I'm going to get a, a giant yellow raincoat. I mean, gives her a taste of her own medicine at the end. Yeah. And as we see it, we see kind of this black particle stuff floating around. It's very whimsical. And that's kind of meant to represent the soul or the spirit of the person being absorbed by six at this point. Right. Because then immediately after... We get a sequence of six walking through the dining room. And as people are looking at her and starting to lunge towards her, their soul, the black shit comes out of their bodies and is absorbed by six. Right. And they just drop fucking dead. And they all drop dead. Yeah. And she doesn't have to lift a finger. She's looking ahead. She's like, fuck this shit. I'm out. Mm -hmm. And people are just dying left and right. Yeah. At it's her like hand. absorbing her, their souls. Yeah. And see, I took that again in terms of interpretation, mm -hmm. like they no longer have control of her. Yeah, she's taken her power back. She's taken her power back entirely. And she's taken it away from them. Like, she's yeah. no longer the victim here. She stopped her mom. She can do stop anything in the world. Right. And there's, a, again, oh, spoiler, there's a lot of theory that the geisha is Six's mom. Is Six's mom, which, again, now hearing what some of, like, the ideas behind... And also, the DLC clears up a few things. Right. It does clear up a few things in terms of story. So now I do know what, like, the story's about... And all that stuff. But again, I feel like there's still allegories to be told yeah. like, along that side. It's purposely vague to kind of fit a few narratives and shine light on different stories. Yeah. And I think it, it's I think at the end of the day, it's about trauma and about overcoming that trauma and not seeing yourself as the victim anymore and taking your power back from that. Totally. And on a great note, actually... The last sequence we see is Six walking up and out of the Maw into the light. Mm -hmm. And then we get an image of the Maw. It's kind of a big lighthouse on an island in the water by itself thing. Right. And we hear a boat coming in. Oh, okay. We hear like the... Doop, doop. Which just means another boat of tourists. Yeah. But a way off. She's not afraid of that shit. But a way off. Six don't give a fuck. Yeah, she doesn't have... Yeah, she's not afraid anymore. So, let's get into the DLC real quick, because at least with the DLC, it does clear up some things, but it's quick. It is very quick. It's a lot quicker. So, we follow a boy this time, who's just a touch bigger than Six. Right. Who's presumably named the Runaway Kid. The Runaway Kid. And he's also wakes up in the Maw, mm -hmm. and he interacts with a lot of the same people that we see. A whole bunch of the same people. So, we realize that it's concurrent because he does run into the noodle arm guy, and he still has arms. Right. And, and as stated, he's presumably the person that gives Six the piece of bread. The piece of bread. The first thing she eats. Right. And speaking of things she eats. And speaking of things she eats. So, so, the runaway kid interacts with a lot of people. He escapes long arms, and he does have an interaction with the geisha. Mm-hmm. And this is where we see what happens when the geisha can't be stopped. Right. But she... that's a little bit of ways okay. down the road. <laughs> I got excited. You really did. You, you jumped the gun on that. that really that's excited. DLC number three. I know. You're on, We're on number one here. Okay. Okay. So he gets uh, captured by the noodle arms. Yeah. And gets put in a cage. And we do see them together in the same like caged area from before when 
he trapped six. That's right. Yes. Yeah, it's the same scene. That. It's the exact same scene from that. So that's how we, we finally do realize, like, okay, this story is happening alongside of Six's story the whole time. Yeah. So this is, again, the first time Six eats and she gets out of the cheese, out of the mousetrap. She gets trapped in a box and mm-hmm. that's how Noodley gets her. Right. And she gets out. So that's that story. And then the next story is... That is the water one? The water one. There's a lot of swimming involved. Yeah. There's parts where you have to kind of flood and unflood areas of the ship. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And again, does like just some loose connecting to Six's story. It's nothing major on that one. Yeah. He ends up in the kitchen. He gets a bunch of gnomes to put coal in a furnace so he can escape a certain area. And the whole point is... That one's apparently very difficult just in terms of its mobility and right. the way you I, can see things. People were saying it made them really angry, this yeah. one. Yeah, the puzzle solving's a little trickier. So that one's more just relationship building with the gnomes. Right. You get to control a few. Once you capture them, you can be like, you guys do this. And Again, these ones are short. There's not a whole lot of story. But the third one is where like the, the meat of the stuff comes out. Yeah, so again, first one, noodles. Second one, gnomes. Third one, so what I jumped to was where he interacts with the geisha. Right. So he ends up in her kind of private area and quarters, Mm -hmm. kind of where Six ends up towards the end of her game. Uh, He has to kind of move things around. And when he finds the geisha, she's like crying and looking at herself in a broken mirror. In a mirror. Which is super fucked up to run into. And she's like got a fucked up face. Completely. The mask is not on, but we can see that this is an ugly ass woman yeah and like something horrible happened it's not just like her nose is broken or right it's like droopy yeah like shit went horrible right and he's like oh no and she sees that he saw what she really looks like and she can't have that shit no so what does she do she turns him into a gnome she uses her fucking vader powers right her darth vader lifts him up and he becomes a gnome and i think it cuts and then we cut back to him as a gnome Mm mm-hmm and he's oh, like, I'm gonna cry. I know, I know. So the gnome is next seen in the kitchen, and he sees a hot dog on the or a sausage on the ground, and he goes over to it, and it pans over and shows six, and then it's over because he ends up being the gnome she ate. The gnome that she ate. So the first person to feed her feeds her one last time before she fucks everything up. Yeah, which like it's so clever to do that Mm -hmm. like it's just about as clever as like the final destination five twist (laughs) right (laughs) which you know is like my favorite it's one of your favorite twists of all time good where just it's hinted at and it's alluded to like yeah this this is there's reasonably concurrent parts of this dlc and like we're Mm -hmm. not specific about time with either storyline no and especially with the dlc where it's cut a lot. And, it's, it's, and you have, like, time periods you're waiting between each one. Yeah, it's episodic, so you can kind of wake up in different places. It's not like Six's campaign where you run through it and right. you can do it in an afternoon. It's very separate, and just there's so much horrible, horrible, like, irony and parallels that tie you into each other's stories, and you really feel supportive of her, and then you die. And then you when die. When she eats you. Yeah. In, like, her last act of being, like, what I felt was her saying, fuck everything fuck politeness fuck you fuck <laughs> this fuck that i'm gonna eat every motherfucker in here right i'm gonna burn down the boat <laughs> you know how much of a bad bitch you have to be to burn a boat down six level six and 
again, this is just a small child as far as we know. Tiny baby. Yeah. She could be six. Yeah. Like, we don't know. That might be her age. Yeah, and it's just the last thing that happens to poor runaway kid is he's turned into a gnome. The people that he even saw below him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, I guess this is my life now. Oh, a hot dog. Oh, she needs help. I remember her from earlier. And... Let me bring you this hot dog. Yeah. And she goes for the guttural. Ugh, it's, it's, it's wild. It's darkness. It is pure darkness. And that's where his story ends, obviously. Right. And it's always hard when you play as a character and then see them die. It is. And it's, it's so and, painful. And there's so many games that do it to you. And you're just like, oh. And it's, I know it's DLC, so it can be a very contained story. Right. Which is smart to kind of leave main game open-ended. But this feels so parallel and so in, entwined with Six's story that it's, it's still difficult to say goodbye. It is. Especially because, like I said... They, all the DLC dealt with this side character that you don't really even see in the main game. Yeah, you catch glimpses of So you of. almost develop as close of a relationship with uh, Runaway Kid as you do with Six. Yeah, which is just... Uh, it's so good. Um, yeah. So I don't know if he's going to be in the, the TV series or not, but he's, <laughs> he's available. So that's kind of the big main story. There are also four comic books that were published. What the fuck? <laughs> I didn't know about this. Yeah, there's more lore. Uh, they released two as like a hardcover set. They haven't released the other two yet. But okay. there is actual other content. Apparently Six meets up with more kids. I didn't get my hands on them. But oh. there are other children that she interacts with. I don't know if it's in the mall or the real world. That like... seems like they're doing too much now. Yeah. I don't know if they're just I think to... the mystery of the lore kind of adds to the lore. Yeah. And if we are getting a full TV series, like that's going to write its own lore. Yeah. Like, assuming it's canonical, which it probably will be, because why... why not? Yeah. <laughs> like, the world's not that big and expansive that we need non-canonical stories at this point. It's not Star Wars where we need to have like big Luke storylines and shit right. like that or you know it's it's okay. If it's no Luke it's not Star Wars. Yeah. Like that's fine. He's all he has a star a starring credit in episode nine. That's what I heard. Hamill and Carrie Fisher both do. I mean anyway. we have seen plenty of force ghosts so Ghosts. Yeah. Because Force Ghosts ruined Star Wars in the second one. So this was our Star Wars episode, everyone. Because everybody knows that <laughs> anything that happens in any Star Wars ruins the series. So <laughs> Go see whatever. a Star Wars. Just go see one. Yeah, go see one. Go cry. Go. I guess call your mom if you have that kind of relationship. Yeah. I don't, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this empowered me or made me sad. I'm sorry. How do you feel about it? You know, it's the darkest game I think I've seen in a while. And like, I'm talking like... We've seen murder games before. Seen, <laughs> I'm playing through L.A. Noir right now. We, we've yeah, it's so great that you're playing through the, for the first time. I know on the Switch. And on, yeah, because it just came out on the Switch. Which why did they release it on the Switch this many years later? No idea. It was not a success. I mean, it was an okay successful game, like yeah. a moderately successful game. And they shut down the studio that made it. I don't understand this play. I think it's fun, and I think it's really well done. Like I think it's pretty. This and. We lived in L.A. for years, so it actually feels pretty accurate yeah, to downtown L.A. that's really crazy, just having lived in... Like, when I played that, I hadn't lived in Los Angeles, like, oh, okay. proper yet. But when you did Grand Theft Auto Five, we were in L.A., the right? The part of Los Angeles I lived in was not mapped on L.A. Noir, so I was like, <laughs> okay, well, I don't know this I area. live in the DLC. But, yeah, now that I've lived in the part that L.A. Noir is, like, part of... And damn. we were right there. I mean, okay, GTA Five. I've driven every one of those goddamn streets. Mm-hmm. IRL and in the game. Like yeah. 100%. Totally. 
We went on a tangent. <laughs> what but are you playing right now? What am I playing right now? I'm playing through... Oh, Hello Neighbor. That game's stressing That's... me out. And it's, you know, I think Hello Neighbor actually got lumped into this a little bit because it is a survival kind of horror-themed game. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily call either a true horror game because... You know, there's not jump scares. There's not I bullshit. Hello neighbor is Okay, wait, so you're many right. Jump... Hello neighbor I, is all jump scares. I get my shit jump scared all the time. I'm sorry. Maybe it's more suspense is what I would feel is a better term for both well, of them. Cuz the music and the sound is very essential to You say um, horror, I think Hello Resident neighbor. Evil. <laughs> yeah, and and like Silent Hill and shit like yeah, that. Silent yeah, Silent Hill dogs and shit like that. But that's that's not the same kind of horror. Yeah, but I feel like this kind of came up around like a Five Nights at Freddy's, um, Bendy and the Ink Machine, kind of all these indie suspense horror games that kind of came out with super rich lore and straightforward gameplay, where this is mm-hmm. puzzle solving and stealth and climbing. Platforming. Platforming. And yeah. Hello Neighbor is a lot of stealth, a lot of problem solving, kind of similar in a similar vein, but yeah. all part of this kind of new class of short form storytelling. Like when I say short form, it's just that you can complete these in a day. Yeah. I mean, Hello I mean, Neighbor's a little more tricky. Hello Neighbor day. more has a, a, feels like a, a Call of Duty zombies feel to me <laughs> where it's a lot of building and running. And I mean, with zombies, obviously you're killing zombies the whole time with Hello right. Neighbor's just one, one creepy dude you live across the street. One from. protagonist, one antagonist, like the whole thing. But you kind of develop this whole lore through the game. I don't know. We'll t- I think we'll do Hello Neighbor. Okay, because once you've played through it. It's got enough story to it, I think, that we can pull out an episode We pulled an episode out of this one, and you were like, what the fuck is this? I, so, I, if you made me do Leisure Suit Larry, <laughs> I get some creepy shit. I love creepy shit. You love creepy shit. Don't love <laughs> creepy shit in that way. Right. I like creepy That's shit, not creepy dudes. Different kind of creepy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> creepy shit, not creepy dudes. Yep. I like that. <laughs> so that's kind of where we're at as people right now. Okay. Well, Goombas, I hope we give you not nightmares, but sweet dreams. Sweet, sweet daydreams of brightly colored things and only eating food. Yes. That is actual food. That is actual food, not people. Not people. And be nice to your friends who are trying to help you, even if you want to eat them. Yeah, just don't eat your friends. Don't eat your friends. <laughs> and don't eat the sausage. Ugh, and don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> Call that to action, Tom. Good segue, honey. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe. If you have a game that you think is creepy with creepy dudes or creepy stuff, we'll check it out. We uh, might. Our email and all of our contact information is below. Check us out. Hang out with us. Creep on us. Please do. But not like in a spoopy way. And come back and hang out in the other castle. (laughs) Yeah. Have a good one. Bye, Goombas. Bye.